Hi and welcome to the Delivery Manager Daily Podcast where I, your host Mario De Cristofano, will talk to you about life as a delivery manager. We'll talk about strategy, tactics, things to do, not to do and wrap that up in a way which makes sense. This is a daily series of podcasts which are released across all your favourite podcast software and there's a video version on YouTube with additional content if you wish. If you want to get in touch, get involved with the podcast or even be a sponsor, get in touch via Twitter, DM underscore daily and don't forget to check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube, The Delivery Manager Daily. In this episode, I'm talking to Andy Tabera. Andy's a delivery manager at Co-op Digital but is passionate about the human element of delivery and what it means to be human. So we talk to him about that and enjoy the episode and if you're interested in getting in touch in future podcasts or you have questions get in touch with me uh, your host Mario at Mario DC or at DM underscore daily. Thanks for listening. Um, so no thanks uh, Andy uh, for joining us on the uh, on the DM daily podcast. So um so for those listening, I'm I'm Mario, and I'm really really into the human element of project delivery, and I'm heavily involved in people and helping people run digital projects. And myself, you know, I've been working in the industry for 20 years or so, and you know, made huge amounts of mistakes and learned from them. And as I've got better, uh, I've become more kind of focused around people and, and privileged enough to kind of look after teams that do uh, delivery. So I'm delighted to. Uh, announced that on the podcast today we've got Andy Tabera who I'm going to get to do an introduction who I've known only on Twitter and have met 10 minutes ago so it's a pleasure to meet you um, over to you to do a little bit of an intro who you are what you do. Uh, so I'm Andy uh, I work at, at the moment I work at co-op in funeral care I'm um, what's called a principal delivery manager so my job is to coach delivery managers uh, work with teams on their chosen framework to make sure they're, you know, they're implementing it and doing it in the best way they can and looking to continuously improve. And I also work with what we what we call stakeholders. So anyone outside of our team that uh, needs to understand how we work. Yeah. Um, so that's why I do the moment. And I'm like you, I've done this for a long time, even, even back in the days where it was called project management. And now I remember it well. <laughs> yeah, it's a very You've always good. been. It's, it's, a, it's a small world, right? Whenever we go to these tech events, and I'm sure those that are listening, you do these regional sort of meetups and you always see people that you know or you know that work at companies and everyone swaps around in Nottingham. We've got this thing where you go and work at Experian then you go and work at Capital One and then you go and work at somewhere else. And it's kind of this shared a shared kind of uh, sort of audience really yeah it's like the northwest is uh bbc co-op to <laughs> love uh, and you uh i've worked with people two sets of people twice now which when i worked in london the chance of that would you know it's astronomical odds but the further you move away from london um the more likely it is that you've always got to be kind because you're always going to end up working with people again, which is a, which is a very good reason for being kind. Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's quite um, important, I guess, to what we're talking about um, today. So, so very simply, when we we both immersed in the world of agile and agile delivery, and often we focus <coughs> on the mechanics, a framework, a process, a thing get your backlog in order, all that kind of stuff. And we're not talking about that today in so much that I want to ask you a very straight question. And it's something that I've pondered and, and, and kind of what what does it mean to be human in sort of a project? What what does that mean? And I know you've been talking about it lots lately. So tell us what you mean by that. What does it mean being human? Well, I think it's 
essentially we're talking about soft skills, which I've, I've said often should be called hard skills. So I think these are the bits that when, I'm sure when you started your career, this was the bit that people just, you know, soft skills were just like, mm, you know, like touchy-feely. I remember that expression. Yeah. I was all touchy-feely. And it'd be like, well, this is what you focus on. Don't worry about the people. And it'd always be things like, you know, you don't manage, you manage the environment, not the people, that sort of stuff. But so what I think to be human is, I wrote a list so that I could cover it all. I think it is, it's things like... Um, use of language you know like you uh, call it the things like the power of we us and ours um so that you make sure people feel in, included and it's inclusive uh it's empathy both you know it's, which is a two-way thing which i often have to remind people of you know yeah. you, you uh, need to practice it as well it's vulnerability so showing um you mentioned before about making mistakes that that's an important one i think is you know, being vulnerable, accepting that we're not perfect and, and, and embracing opportunities to, to do something about something when someone is vulnerable it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. Assuming positive intent, I think, is a big one. You know, always assume that the person you're dealing with or team is, is doing what they're doing in a positive way. Yeah. Um, being, being kind, like practicing kindness. Um, it, it's not just like buying gifts for people. It's it's just, I guess it's tied to uh, empathy, you know, err towards kindness in any situation. Um, it's, it's how you ask questions. Um, this is something that recently um, uh, sort of struck me. It was after reading a book by someone called Esther Darby, was it's, don't ask why. I always used to think why was a really important question, but it puts people on the defensive. So it's things like uh, using what or you know, things like tell me about this or help me to understand or what is causing this or how might we make it better? You know, it's about, I guess that's tied to the, the power of language as well. Um, it's about being positive. Uh, and again, it's things like, you know, don't say just, just walk around like with uh, being positive about everything. It's, it's more your interactions with people and teams in that someone very wise who I work with called Fabian, uh, he uh, said to me, you go into meetings trying to get the most out of them. Before you go in, think about what's going to make me happy about this meeting. And I tried it and it made such a difference, even with people where I got a relationship that could be quite difficult. Yeah. So um, it, it's that it's it's something around something I talk a lot about at work is it's citizenship. So you, it, you're a, when you're in a team or in a department, you're a, think of yourself as a citizen. And to be a citizen, you get all the protections of your society, your team, department. But in return, there are things that you have to do. And that's why I think is tied into this being human is, is you know, that a concept of citizenship that, yes, you, that. Get, you get all of these things that we offer you uh, as a team. Um, but but you need to play your part. And, you know, sometimes I, I do when we talk about being human, I think it's important to get across that. It does mean that what quite often being human is seen as something you have to do for other people. Yeah, it, it works both ways. It, it, it can be things like um, I often hear um, a lot of discussion about whether you should have your cameras on, for example. And, uh, and it's often um, we need to be sympathetic, empathetic to people, their situation, have the cameras off. But that works the other way as well. I think if you're I'm sure you have to do this, if you present a lot or you host a lot of meetings or workshops, 
the empathy needs to come the other way as well. If you're presenting to an empty, you know, blank screen with yeah, let me, that, I mean, I mean, on that, you you brought some brilliant ones up, and I know you've got a list, so we'll go through. No, just, no, that's it. We, we're over to you. <laughs> no, no, no. Just that one thing on camera. So I, I'm really interested in some of these things that you've mentioned around empathy, being kind, showing vulnerability in particular which is another one that resonates with me the whole camera thing I've changed my opinion on so I, I'm sometimes quite brash and I I think that being human one of the things is you communicate with people by looking at them you yeah. pick up body language nuance micro gestures eyes lip movements everything and it contributes to the orchestra of communication yeah. what you don't do is you don't turn up to someone that you've never met before and you go hi how are you how are you how are you doing because someone would go well you've got your hands over your face now I'm quite blunt about that and would often call people out. And as I've done more people focused roles, or maybe I've gone away and thought about it, and you've mentioned things like being a little bit empathetic, mm. you get away from the presentation thing to one side. Yeah. If you're trying to run a scrum or a stand up in the morning, I would be very impatient for people who didn't have their cameras on. Because often I find, and maybe not internal teams, but certainly when you've got mixed, mixed teams with clients and other suppliers, I think people can hide behind the camera being off and it allows them to communicate in a way that they wouldn't do if they were face to face. But that goes exactly against what you've said, which is assume positive intent in, in yeah. you know, so in a meeting dynamic, yeah. how do you, where should I sit on the, on the scale of you've got to have your camera on and I'm going to make it mandatory because otherwise we're not communicating as humans or should I think about that person and think well maybe they're a busy person they've got laundry in the background the kids running around maybe they don't feel well they've got a skin condition which you know all these practical things yeah they're, and they're, where, they're where all, should you be on the scale I think it's one of those things that it depends on the situation doesn't it you can't give blanket advice I th it, it depends on what it is where, where I found I've I've um I genuinely would talk to people beforehand if it was really important for everyone to have their cameras on. Stand-ups, I'm the same as you. Some days I'm like, I wish they were on because yeah. I, I can't tell whether people are engaged in it. Yet. And that's a sort of barometer for how well a stand-up's going is the engagement. Well, even you mentioned being positive as you go into a room yeah. and that can shape yeah. the outcome of a meeting. It, it, it can. Really difficult to do when cameras are off. It is. And that's why I think a lot of it's a lot. I guess a lot of what we do is when we work in delivery is the stuff behind the scenes that people don't see. So... If it's important, I'll talk to people away from um, from the event or the ceremony or, or whatever it is itself to say to, to ask for people to put the cameras and cameras on and explain why. One particular example I've had is where we've done um, is when we've got new people joining the team. And this is that I've sort of stressed that, you know, when imagine you're joining and you're joining remotely to a team, mm, yeah. not seeing people's faces and not hearing their voices that's not welcoming that's not that's not us going out to make that person feel welcome so that's a good example of where I've talked to people and said look we, we need to you know we need to make an effort and I know you might not want to have your camera on but it's important for this person to see your face and hear your voice because I've had that I'm sure you I, I work, worked in a place I didn't see someone or hear their voice for about six weeks and I think you know if you're trying to build a team um, and you're trying to build that team spirit and and do all the things I've just said part of that is there are times when I think we need to show who who we are and and we need to you know engage like that human being when at the talk that you that we that I did that you mentioned that being human one of the things we did at the start that was said please put your cameras on 
to help us we want we want this to feel like uh, as much like it used to yeah you know yeah we've got cameras on we want you asking questions interrupt us put comments in the uh you know in the chat um let's let's celebrate um being human and, and helping each other but if you want your camera off that's fine but we want to hear your voice so yeah. please talk and ask to us so um yeah i think it's depending on the the situation uh and and talking to people first not to put them on the spot because that's never good is it where i think if you get that people become defensive straight away don't they so i think it's setting the scene and explaining why it's important um so yeah that, that that's what i would do and that's why i'd suggest you know in that situation think about what you can do outside of the meeting to get people to want to do it yeah and yeah so it's a, it's a good point that i think the other two things that you mentioned that really resonate with me is the why mm. i for ages used to get defensive when someone asked well why and, and my voice would raise and i'd get all talk quickly <laughs> and, and often it was probably because i wasn't confident in the decision that i'd made either so that kind of compounded it further and the other the other one that you said which i'm dead interested in we have this um quick aside we have this 360 feedback review system where i work i think it's quite good because it's a leveler i think yeah. in in today's world you should be judged and viewed and how you engage with everyone and, mm. and Although it can be gamed, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of 360 peer review. One of the things that um, uh, I've always worked on is that that kind of vulnerability and putting your hand up and saying either I don't know, I need help or I'm not feeling good or, you know, mm. something. and that that thing as a leader. And, and for those listening, for me, the biggest thing that's changed my ability to cope as a leader and get better where I've seen a tangible change and result is my ability to put my hand up and say look I'm in the shit a bit or I don't know how to handle that situation can you help me yeah and, it, and it's so interesting that you you raised that I mean every day I see leaders and teams not being able certainly technical people as well not saying I don't know that's the that's where I think we can so being the, the, the whole thing about being human is that understanding your as a leader, a manager, a member of a team, we've all got, uh, we can all role model behavior, can't we, that helps other people. And that, I remember that that power of saying, I don't know, I just have always said it. And I didn't realize it was a powerful thing until someone said to me a long time ago, oh, when you said, I don't know, I felt I could say, I don't know. Yeah. And that's what it does. It's like but the vulnerability bit, the thing, um, because I'm in quite a privileged position and I get to be able to talk a lot because, you know, the higher you get up the, the, the ladder, the more you're able well, to talk. That's what you do in the trenches. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's where you should use that. It's like, you know, using that, your platform um, is often described to, to be positive, to make positive things happen. So mm -hmm. I've talked about mental health because I, I, I live with depression and anxiety and I take every opportunity to talk about it that I can. And I say it works and I've said it to, to people I don't feel good at the moment and this is what that means so if you see me doing these things or you hear me saying these things yeah. please understand that that's mental health and that's the challenges i have so you can help me by doing this and and someone that i work with two people actually when i'd said that came to me afterwards and said thank you very much for saying that because i also struggle with that and it made me feel well it empowers people to, to yeah and that, mm. that's what being that's what a lot of this just comes down to. I think it's, it's just about being a sort of decent human being. It's like, it's okay to 
you know, show people that you're not in a good place so they feel okay to do it. It's all about creating a, when I, a, this is what we talked about when we gave the talk about creating a safe environment. And that's all of the things we've said about admitting you're wrong. You know, we made a mistake or, you know, why, why is something we're gonna do this time gonna work when it hasn't worked before? Because you have to say, look, we've tried this before and we've got it really wrong, but it's gonna work this way. And this is why. So that's another thing about being vulnerable is just admitting the, you know, Esther Darby, who's a great writer, talks about like it's honoring the past, you know, good or bad, that you, if you try to forget about it and brush it aside, then um, then then that usually gets people's hackles up. Yeah. But if you accept that things haven't gone wrong, I mean, sorry, have gone wrong and that, that they didn't work, you know, that's an important part of being vulnerable. And that that's about, I think, you know, any anyone can do it, just role modeling what you what you think is the right thing to do and then it will help other people to see what good looks like and well, it's then... an important part of learning right as well we do it in agile anyway so why would you not acknowledge the past and think well you know that didn't go well because and you know well there's a lot of um i mean i i wrote down something that I... with agile there's uh there's you know things like feedback loops retrospectives as you said they're great learning tools and they help us continuously improve but I don't think we use them often enough for the human side of things. So, so you know, turn, handing over your ceremonies to look at things like that around maybe around team health or, you know, like, are we being, uh, you know, how could we be more empathetic? How could we improve the interactions with the team around us? Like, I, I really think this being human needs to extend. It's not just your team. It's it's extending it to the teams that you interact with so that, that they're a safe environment and that bit's, you know, you're human there and you, you try to make those interactions positive. So you're optimising the whole, not just optimising your team. I think that's a really important bit that we don't do enough of with retrospectives and, and, and how we approach our work. Is there a challenge that, from a leadership perspective, to listen to what you've said about exposing these vulnerabilities in our kind of characters and it's a leveller, it empowers people to do the same and actually creates a much more diverse and equal playing field that's accessible and probably i i believe and i agree with you achieves a better outcome just generally just being configured that way but from a leadership perspective for years and if you've read all the kind of classic leadership books and certainly in some industries leadership's a bit of a, a showman type <laughs> or show person type you have to project a lot and certainly as a leader how many times have you been in a position a position where things behind the curtains aren't great but I certainly know I'm involved in a project um, sort of recently where things aren't great, but I've got this great team and actually I want to protect them. So there's a certain amount of showmanship's the wrong thing, but do you know what I mean? Where you have to protect them. And if I was to say, well, it's getting me down and it's, I'm not coping or I'm in the same position as you, mm. do they lose confidence in me as a leader to say, well, you're a leader, that's your job we don't want to hear you've got those vulnerabilities because that makes us think, well, you know, you're not, what do you that's, say to that? Yeah, no, well, that, I think that's, yeah, that's one of the, those sort of judgments you have to make. I think something you said there, it would be about the, what's the culture of the organization? Because in a culture where it is um, strong leadership, which would, you know, old traditional leadership, being vulnerable is not, um, I was going to say it's not an option. It's not something you do. I mean, I've done it and I've been, 
I was, you know, going back many years ago, was like seen as like almost like a hippie. Used to get mocked for the, like the touchy feely bits and and vulnerability, saying that I, you know, I couldn't do things and and it is career limiting in a in a culture which is about strength and not, you know, being vulnerable is weakness. So in a situation like that, I think you do have to be careful. Um, but you can role model it within your team. You can start within your team with with something like that. I think. Yeah. And then, you know, like, and then sort of, sort of help other people around you see that that it's about trust, isn't it? If, if I can be vulnerable in front of you, it shows I trust you. And trust, again, is one of those things that, like, that's two way, like empathy. You know, to, to get people to trust you, you have to show them that you can be trusted yeah. and that you can be vulnerable. Um, well, that's so, one of the characteristics as well, isn't it? Is that openness and honesty? These are all yeah. good traits that sound like common sense when you talk about them. Yeah, and this is this is this, I mean, this is why this is what I was attracted to agile, away from project and program where I started, because of things like open and being open and transparent is a big part of agile, isn't it? And a lot of what we do is about breaking down silos and and being you know and showing show and tells. You know, we show our work, we we well, I do, where I did work, we publish our team health surveys because we want people to know how we are. We're very open about. Uh, the challenges that we face so in that culture it's it, I, I'm doing what I think is expected but um, um, you mentioned something at the start that I thought was it, when things are going wrong that there are definitely two approaches and I think when younger me would have and I still do it a bit now protect people and teams but as I've got older I've realized sometimes I'm not sometimes that isn't always helpful for teams need to hear sometimes need to hear feedback about how things are because well, you, you can you mentioned a tweet that that echoed that you categorically said you know and it resonated with me which is why you're on here because it was the one that got my attention the most which you said you know how do you manage you know teams that are constantly in the dark and they don't mm. know what's happening and or they're micromanaged or you hear, i hear leaders say well i'm doing it for the best interest i don't want to overload them with stuff that they don't need to know mm. I've also seen, however, and, and I say to my teams, it has bit me in the arse before. Where I've been so honest about the commercial um, yeah. profile of a project or yeah. I've exposed people in terms of what we're charging them out at and expect yeah. people and, and explain some because I've, I've done that because it helped explain something else. Mm -hmm. Very occasionally, those individuals haven't been mature enough to handle that. Yeah. And then they've used that privileged information to create an issue. And yeah, you know, that's that, that bit there, I think, is. That's really difficult. For commercial stuff is always difficult, isn't it? When you, yeah, charge out rates, um, what but, projects? But how got? many times do you get team? That, that I think my some of my success, I, at the start of a project, the scope and the contract involve the developers and everyone doing the work right up front. Now, the businesses hate it. They just mm. don't like it. But my argument is that the very people that are doing the work have to understand and be committed and if you've got an engineering team that know that you've only got eight sprints to deliver something that they told you would have taken 12, you want them to know why in the commercial constraints. And that's my why I try and do that. But I, I think that yeah, the, understand that like, there's something I think that we could all be better at in the agile world um, that we could borrow from project and program or. Um, or as I've also worked in like digital agencies where money is is very commercial is it's just a like be budget aware with 
uh, well, I used to call it in different places, but just understanding like we're, there are financial constraints. You know, we are charged out at a rate, but that's not how much we earn. That covers a co you know multitude yeah. of costs. So providing a breakdown. I mean, treat people um, uh, as adults and let them have uh, see information that, that that will help them understand the situation we're in. But like I said, you do have to be a bit a bit careful. But I I do now definitely lean towards telling people what's happening, letting them know where if if we're not doing well in the eyes of a stakeholder or then it's important that people know because then it gives them a chance to think well how can we you know all of us how can we make that better we turn it around and think well how can we improve that that relationship quite often it's a breakdown of communication um but i think it's yeah information is the if information flows freely and so and including feedback it gives you an opportunity to improve and that that's about as agile as you can get isn't it it, it promotes continuous improvement because you're always making sure that people get the right information at the right time. As soon as you start hiding it, it becomes privileged information. That I think that causes problem because it, because information doesn't go back the other way either. You know, if senior leaders hold it, well, then they won't get information from the team about when things are going wrong because they know uh, it's really received well. So if you think yeah. of what 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 that promotes culture-wise when people hold on to information. You know, that, uh, how many times have you? Have you been sent something and been told oh you can't tell anyone about this or you could don't show anyone this powerpoint presentation and when when you read it like, why yeah. <laughs> there's nothing these ideas aren't that great you know it's, it's, it's maybe thinking like ideas could be uh it's about intellectual property or ndas but you know be exchange information freely because then you might find out something surprising or something that might improve what you're doing but but i definitely take your point is you there's the balance if the team's not mature sometimes you know, really unleashing a torrent of feedback, which which isn't positive, could be. It's a dial, I think. I mean, you're yeah. right. I mean, what else, Andy, in terms of the world that we're living in now, which, frankly, I don't think we, I think has exposed us for all the right reasons and, and right ways, uh, as well as all the negative. We work remotely or hybrid. <laughs> we're behind a screen and cameras. We have these silos in our life now, don't we, in terms of the natural silos in the fact that when we talk, we often it's not person to person, it's over a phone call. And we we've learned to communicate differently and how we share and what we share. What are some of the things that you do when you talk about these real? And again, it sounds like common sense when you talk about them, but these values that you're you're talking about. Any issues doing these in a hybrid world or remotely or anything you need to do to compensate? Yeah, well, what's been the, the last two jobs I've had have been remote and what I've missed a lot is having informal networks that I would uh, like the water cooler moment right yeah yeah I get to meet someone and you work for someone momentarily on something but you keep in contact with them you get on well and then you know the work the real work gets done in the informal networks I, I heard it described as the white space on a on a hierarchies or uh, you know structures of organization and I thought that was a great way of describing it um so that has been a real problem for someone that I've always done well at creating informal networks. Um, and they've always served me well because I've put a lot of effort into nurturing them, connecting people when I used to meet two people I thought would get on or working on something similar. Yeah. And obviously Twitter does that a lot outside work, but that was there was an inside work version of Twitter or LinkedIn where I could think, oh, I know that person would get on with that person or they're working on something similar. So yeah. that's been difficult. So what I suppose what I've done to compensate is 
I personally uh, volunteer to help other teams with their ceremonies or retros or workshops when they need someone independent because the delivery manager's got sort of a stake in what's being discussed and then you meet people. Within my own sort of area of work, what I've had to do things which would be which, which would be very strange if you did them in like in, in real life a few years ago, which is stuff like getting people to uh, we, we played this thing called the life highlights game where you ask people to. Uh, so we asked everyone on the team, you've got a minute to think about some great moments in your life for the first 30 seconds. And then you say for the last 30, right, right, narrow it down to what what 30 seconds of your life would you relive? out of everything in your life uh, and I've done that a few times well three or four times now because you'll get to hear what matters to people you'll get to hear what's important um, and that gives you it's almost like I was saying to someone the other day it's like being a human CRM what I do is I then hear from people what's important I write it down I make sure I remember and like it's for 30 odd people we're talking about here but when so so getting people to to open up and it, amazingly when you do that I found if you know three or four times I've done it people are very open about what's important to them from, from an academic achievement to a holiday they had to uh you know something that deeply personal they're prepared to share so people will share that information with you but you should treasure it and honor it and and what I do is I've with every person that's ever told me something like that I write I write it down and I make sure that I talk to them about it in the future so I remember it because it's important I'm showing it's it's so important I remember it I, think I get to find out about, I make an effort to find out about people's like personal lives and as much as they want to tell me, you know, if they've got children. Yeah, you're not online stalking them, I assume, because that's yeah, no, no, with no, all kinds of no, uh, it, HR implications. You have to build relationships quickly. It's almost like turbocharge them. So that's why you have to do these things, which are a bit unusual in that, that you wouldn't walk up to 30 people who you worked with two years ago and said right go in a room tell me about something great that happened yeah. in your life because you get to know that over time and um, even things like asking people about what they're having a whole retro uh well it's just not a retro but a meeting about what's your favorite food well yeah. i think i think it's really interesting i do i do similar it's something that i've, I've only learned to do recently recently being the last five years but people have two versions of themselves don't they they have their professional version of the person that they project and they have the real version and what you're doing is asking something that probably sits in the middle that shows an insight into the true person whether it's a, anyone that gets to know me for example knows that i'm really passionate about food and cocktails as i am about technology. on twitter yeah you, they look very good <laughs> but but my general work persona is oh it's mario the agile guy the tech guy or, or something yeah. but actually people that go to an effort will hear me talk really passionately about you know why you should make a certain cocktail the certain way and what you're doing is you're you're creating that gateway into the real person which I think is really powerful yeah it's yeah there's a lot I mean you can do things like uh manual of me you know there's lots of ways you can do it but I think that's that's what's changed and you're right it has changed and it's about it is over five years that these sort of things have become more and more part of what you do in delivery but I think it's really been accelerated in the last 18 months where you, you have so many people joining you. Like we, we, um, we had 20 engineers join our team. Um, a supplier had to, uh, you know, came to work at the co-op and getting all those people to join over two months, um, 10 straight away and then, then one every couple of weeks and make them feel part of the team yeah. in a short space of time. You have to 
and that's what gave us the idea about doing this human side of delivery talk was that the effort that went in there was more effort put into making people feel welcome uh you know onboarded properly felt part of the team very quickly then there was getting people up to date on you know knowledge transfer and understand the systems that we've got um and, and it was a success because of that because you know usually you just say read this here's your access to this system do that but we spent as at least 50 percent of the time making people feel part of the team getting to know them really well so they were very quickly comfortable with each other so that our ceremonies and teamwork and pairing and mobbing and all those sort of reviews and retros all words got better very quickly um and that's what made me realize this is so important and I, I, you sort of know it is don't you deep down but i saw it firsthand in a remote world that the effort put in paid back tenfold and and it made people feel very happy to be working at the co-op Whereas in the past, I think it would have taken months to get to the point where they'd have been as integrated as they as they were. Fascinating. With five minutes to go, because we could talk about this for hours. Those <laughs> listening, what would you tell people listening that are the most important things then? We've talked about some of the characteristics, empathy, uh, being vulnerable, which shows strength. We talked about having positive kind of vibes you know because that can shape situations you've talked about assuming positive intent from mm -hmm. others too what are the things that people can take away listening to this in terms of being more human and being the right type of human when it comes to delivery i think it's that all of those things are form and mindset and that's the thing that i think is most important it's to it's like you people often talk about an agile mindset well Maybe we need to equally have the, the sort of human mindset too. Human, yeah. Which is all those, I mean, it sounds like a weird thing to say to be human, but what, what we mean by that is just when it comes to work, the, the teams that I have personally seen do best are ones that have fun and are comfortable in each other's company and that are inclusive and everyone enjoy being around each other and welcome each other's opinions and seek them and get feedback from each other. And that, that all starts from lead, leadership, and, and I've been that person sometimes, role modeling what those things look like and, and putting a lot of effort into making sure people feel comfortable and wanted. And I, I used to go around to, I'm sure you did this, you'd go to people's desks and just have a quick chat with yeah, them. Just catch up with them. Yeah, yeah, catch up. And, and sometimes people would like, talk to me about delivery and go, all you do is go around. And like, I just see you laughing and messing around and just talking to loads of people. I'm like, yeah, but that's me making sure those people are okay, making sure they're all right with their work. While I'm talking to them in between that, like laughter and, and what looks like messing around is me saying, so how are things going? You know, mm. is there anything that, that I need you need to help with? Can I can I free up your time so you if you're you know you're, you're an engineer you've got the whole day to do your work so it's mixing that making people feel comfortable with um, passing information but that, but that's it I think it's having that that mindset of like how can I make sure that everyone else around me is given the best possible opportunity to do the best job that they can um, so that's what I'd say and and just to reiterate that point about think about all those things that you do within your team you should equally try and do that for the people that like the boundaries around you so if you work with any other teams if you work with any other departments you know quite often you have dependencies on teams don't you and those create blockers think about building a better relationship and cultivating that space so that that's healthy and 
be human there when you deal with people outside your team. Um, I love the I love the comment you made about being a citizen in mm-hmm. in, a, in a world and treating the work, the landscape, your project as that kind of environment, and you're a citizen within that. You wouldn't go around in society kicking over bins and punching people oh. in the face. Well, I hope not. So why, <laughs> why do those things in your project, right? I think well, that's, that's what you meant. <laughs> it is exactly what I meant. But think about how that works. You know, if you see someone dropping litter, you tell them, you yeah. ask them to pick them up. Mm. Uh, you know, so that, that these sort of self-reinforcing rules that we have. But yeah, that's it. It's the citizenship. It took me a long time to, to I spend years trying to think, what do I mean by it? And that, that is exactly it, is that... To be a citizen, to qualify as one, there are things that you, you know, take an oath, there are things you have to do, but you get the protection of laws, uh, you know, you get all the services that we get, but in return, you, you're a law-abiding citizen, so maybe it would be rule-abiding or whatever the right phrase would be, but that, yeah, so it's not just about take, it's also about give, and if you give as much as you take, then it probably means your team's in a good place. Oh, that sounds like a perfect place to end, although... On the subject of fun, give us a dad joke that your work colleagues would never forgive me if I didn't give you an opportunity to wheel one out. So everyone, if you're listening, get ready to roll your eyes uh, or for those watching on uh, Twitch. I invented a new word today. Go on. Plagiarism. Well, (laughs) Andy, it's been a real pleasure and I'm really grateful for your time. You've been absolutely insightful. Um, We'll get the podcast uh, out in the next couple of days, but thanks for your time in the meantime. Andy, is there anything you want to plug, follow you on Twitter? Have you got a blog or anything you want to? Oh, I just suppose follow me on Twitter, Andy Tabera. Um, I've got a blog. I can't remember the name of it, but it's in the oh, it's in the bio. That's what you have to say. Follow follow Andy on Twitter. He works at Co-op. Um, but does loads more stuff and and I find him really uh, insightful on Twitter so yeah follow Andy Tabra uh, two B's and um, we'll talk to you very soon thanks Andy lovely to meet you